0: Welcome to Wholehearted Coaching, the podcast. If you're looking for more purpose, more passion, more joy in your life, then you have come to the right place. I am your host, Sharin Eskandani, the founder of Wholehearted Coaching and the Wholehearted Life Coaching Certification. This podcast is in service of your biggest dreams. We'll talk about mindset, manifestation, mindfulness, and we'll also look at the transformative power of life coaching and being a life coach. If you are ready to create your dream life while living your dream life, then let's do it, love. Welcome to Wholehearted Coaching, the podcast. This is where we take a deeper dive into my Mindset Monday post, which you can read on Instagram at Wholehearted Coaching. Or if you want to go even deeper and get my free weekly journal prompts that are inspired by this episode, sign up for my email list by heading to my website, wholehearted-coaching.com. And if you're interested in joining one of my transformational courses, or you're ready to take the leap and become a wholehearted coach yourself, you can head to wholehearted-coaching.com offerings. And of course, all this information is also in the show notes. So today we're finishing our four-week series on purpose. And I really hope that you have enjoyed these last few weeks, where we've focused solely on purpose and I've brought in some incredible guests to talk about how they define purpose, and how they live out their purpose. I personally think we are finishing this series in the most incredible way with this interview with Julie Parker. Julie shares so generously about her experience and wisdom pivoting and shifting. And what I love most about our conversation is that she really highlights the need to take it slow. It was definitely a message I needed to hear, and I have a feeling we all here in the whole hearted community need to hear. It can be so easy sometimes to get caught up in our dreams and try to rush through it. Think that we're behind because we're not somewhere where we thought we were going to be. This conversation with Julie is really about honoring your timeline. Taking it slowly and not judging yourself for whatever pace you take, for whatever capacity you may have. And as we close this series on purpose, I'm really hoping that something over the last four weeks has deeply resonated with you. I believe that we all deserve to really know what our purpose is and i also believe that the way that we've been taught to think about purpose in our society isn't really helpful and so my deepest intention with this series was to take away some of the heaviness around purpose maybe some of the confusion we may have around our purpose i'm really hoping that you are feeling more rooted in your purpose as we really embark on this here. These conversations have also been about pivoting and shifting. I really hope that if you are in the midst of some sort of pivot, if you are thinking about changing things in your life, that these interviews, these incredible guests that I have had, have offered you some support, some inspiration, some wisdom, love. We can pivot and shift at any time. And when we pivot and shift, that does not mean we are moving away from our purpose. It means we are moving toward our purpose. I've also highlighted conversations with coaches, because another part of this series is to dispel who a coach is, what a coach's background is supposed to be. I really hope if there's anyone out there who is thinking of becoming a coach, that as you have listened to these interviews, you've come to realize that coaches come from all sorts of backgrounds. We come from all walks of life. And that is what is so incredible about the coaching field, is that everyone has come to it in their own way, and that adds so much to their coaching practice. Now, before we dive into this interview, which I know you're going to love, A reminder that while applications are closed right now for the Wholehearted Life Coaching Certification, that the waitlist is open for our fall 2024 cohort. And I'm not going to tell you exactly when we're going to open applications, but it will be happening around the spring. And the waitlist, folks on the waitlist, find out first and they get some pretty amazing bonuses. Like some big discounts, so if you want to find out more, if you want to sign up for the waitlist, head to wholeheartedcertification.com/slash/programs. So now let me tell you a little bit about Julie Parker. Julie Parker is the founder of the Beautiful You Coaching Academy and a mentor, counselor, coach, supervisor, guide and Certified Breathwork Facilitator for Sacred Leaders and Space Holders. She has trained thousands of life coaches from around the world to birth their soul businesses and has had a thriving counseling and coaching practice for nearly two decades. Julie is also an international award-winning published author and host of two top-ranking podcasts where she has interviewed some of the world's greatest spiritual and coaching thought leaders. I have been interviewed by Julie twice, and it was amazing. As a devoted and practicing priestess, Julie is committed to contributing to a world where presence, healing, and social justice are honored. Love, get ready for this incredible interview with Julie Parker. Hi, Julie. I am so incredibly honored and thrilled. And I feel so privileged to be having this conversation with you. And I'm so excited for the whole hearted community to get to know you better. So first of all, Julie, just thank you so much for being here.
1: Oh, Shirin, thank you. I'm absolutely delighted to be here. I have had the joy of interviewing you twice in my life, And so this feels very lovely, actually, to be on the other side.
0: Now, it really does. It really, really does. And I always love being in conversation with you, but I'm really excited to ask you the questions because you are such a multifaceted person. You have lived many, many lives. And I'm really excited for the community to get to hear your story. So my first question is, Julie, tell us about you, you as a, Person, what feels important for you to share with us?
1: Well, this is such a lovely question to ask, to share about oneself more from a personal perspective rather than what do you do? So that feels really lovely. So, you know, just speaking off the cuff and from my heart, I am a priestess, a rose gardener, a footy tragic, as we say here in Australia. I absolutely love AFL football and have since I was a little girl. I'm a wife, a daughter, a carer, an auntie, a stepmother, a dog and cat mama, and I also live in a very beautiful area of regional Australia. I grew up in the country on a farm, and I lived in the city for many years after I graduated from university, purely for job prospects and reasons to begin with. But returning to my more regional and country roots within the last 12 months with my husband is beautiful. And we're very much enjoying country life and living.
0: Oh, I love that. And when you post the Instagram stories of your home and your backyard, I get very, very envious. It looks very grounding and beautiful and just stunning. It's beautiful.
1: It is very beautiful here and I feel incredibly blessed. Although mind you, you know, the grass is always greener, isn't it? Because New York and where you are in the US is honestly, it's one of my favorite cities and my husband's as well. We've been there many times and I don't know, we'll be back again because there is such you know it's particularly in the spring can I say that New York City in the spring is something to behold it is beautiful I've been there in every season I don't know whether I'd come back in winter no Oof, that was tough <laughs> that was tough in winter though ice under your feet dangerous but spring oh and fall in New York mm, beautiful
0: Yeah. Spring and fall are so special. Please come, Julie, and I'll take you to some of my favorite spots. I'm already planning the itinerary. (laughs) But before we get into all of that, we could just get taken away with that conversation. (laughs) We'll get into kind of how you got into the work that you do now. But I would love for you to share with the community, what is the work that you do?
1: Well, essentially, at the heart of it, I'm a life coach trainer. And I also am a mentor for sacred leaders and space holders. So I have been training people to become life coaches for 10 years now, 10 years this year we're celebrating actually at the Beautiful You Coaching Academy. We have a very heart-centered, feeling, emotive-based approach to goal setting and working with clients. And I absolutely love that. The community is the best thing by far. And I also really, really enjoy my mentoring work as well. That's something that I only do with a very select group of clientele because really the core of my focus and work is with the academy and training people. But in the last couple of years, I have gone back to one-on-one work and I've been absolutely loving it. So that's the essential core of what it is that I do.
0: Oh, and I've been one of the very privileged few who's worked one-on-one on with you, Julie, and it was such an incredible experience. And I think something for me as a coach, kind of looking from the outside, that's really amazing about your work and your practice is it is so multifaceted, right? You have the coaching certification, but you also lead your retreats. You also work one-on-one. And so it feels like almost every part of you that is important to you is present in your work. Um, And I know that you were doing a lot of one-on-one coaching before you started the certification. However, I also know, now I don't know the full story. And this is what I would love for us to get into is that you did not start out as a coach, like many coaches. I don't think many of us, you know, start out in our early twenties and nor should we. I I don't, I think you need a little bit of life
1: (laughs) under yourself
0: maybe. Right. But most kind of coaches come to this career in their own, beautiful way. And so I would love for you to share your journey with us of what you were doing before, how you found coaching and this evolution of you and your coaching practice.
1: Well, you are right. I don't think there's many people that come right out the gate in their professional lives as a coach. I'm sure, Shirin, before you and I leave this mortal coil that that may begin to happen. Yes. But it's certainly not happening in what is still a relatively young industry in the form we see it now. Of course, we know that there are elements of coaching that are thousands of years old in many different ways from different cultures and different practices. But I began my professional career as a social worker and psychotherapist. And I was working in community health with a particular specialization in working with young people and their families. And that eventually morphed into me having a very particular interest in body image and eating disorder issues for young women. And that ended up being where I moved into private practice as a counsellor myself to begin with. And then how I actually found coaching really, in all honesty, was a, a little bit by accident or through someone else. And I really do owe her a debt of gratitude. It was via a work colleague of mine. And so this gives you an idea of how long ago this was, Shirin. This is like 20 years ago now, right? So I'm a little bit of a dinosaur in the coaching industry, which I own with pride. And she arrived at work one day with a clipping from the newspaper with an advertisement. How old school is that? About an information session for this thing called life coaching. And she came in and she gave it to me and she said, when I saw that, I instantly thought of you and how great you would be at that. And she said, you should go to that. i gonna go to that. I said, it's all the way in the city. It's probably a cult. I said, I, don't know. I said, I don't know what is going on here, or that sort of stuff. She said, look, I'll come with you. There's wine and cheese. And it's great. She said, come on. She said, let's just go. And so I thought, okay, I'll go. So I rocked up to this information session and I knew Shireen within five minutes of hearing the woman at the front of the room start talking about what coaching was that I wanted to train to do it. I was probably at a point in my social work and in my therapy work where I was beginning to feel a little bit burnt out. I was dealing with people who had very, very complex mental health issues. It was quite heavy going, but I absolutely loved people. And what I saw there in coaching was an opportunity to work with people in a very different, more dynamic, forward-moving way. And I thought, wow, this just sounds amazing. So I trained. That was an interesting experience in and of itself 20 years ago. By far the youngest in the course, the only woman at the time Mm -hmm. because coaching very much has its origins in the corporate world. I felt very out of place, but I still felt like it was the right place for me to be and that I could make something out of it myself. And then slowly over time, combining it with my therapy work, I began to, I still was working as a social worker and doing my private work after hours and on Saturday mornings. And slowly over time, that practice built up both therapy wise and coaching wise as well and then coaching really began to take over it really became my my great love and i started to stop doing as much therapy based clients and i began to really just move into the one on one coaching i began to experience quite a bit of success with that which it was really amazing and i loved it and then what began to happen is that i started to have coaches begin to come to me and say what are you doing like why are you booked out uh how is it that you're getting on things you're receiving invitations to work with people are raving about your work I had slowly been developing my own way I guess mm. of working with people and then I started to have requests to coach coaches, which initially I was quite resistant to. I was like, I'm not a business coach. You know, this is not really what I do. But I found myself in a position, really, where what I was helping mostly them to do was become better space holders and do richer and deeper work with their clients. And that in turn was then seeing them experience greater client attraction and success. And essentially the shorter version there, Shireen, is that what began to happen is that things blew up for me Mm. in a very lovely way to the point where I had a six, sometimes even eight-month waiting list one-on-one to get in to see me. And I knew that I could no longer hold that container. It was a beautiful problem to have, but it was still a problem. And that's when I decided to really get some excellent business coaching myself from a very, very experienced coach, much older than I was, who'd been around for a very long time. She's still coaching. She's absolutely brilliant, moving into elderhood now. And she said, come on, you surely must be thinking it's time for a coaching course. Mm -hmm. And initially I was very resistant about that. It's like, oh, but I don't come from the corporate world. I'm a woman. I don't see anybody else out there doing this in the way that I would like to do it. And she said, that's exactly the reason to do it. Give us something different, give us something fresh, something new. And that's when the Academy was born uh, Mm. 10 years ago. And we started with a beautiful pilot group and we've now trained more than two and a half thousand coaches from around the world. And I have a beautiful team that work with me. So that's sort of the story, the arc, I guess. And I just feel incredibly blessed and passionate and just so proud of our community and,
0: and everything that they're doing. I love that from a newspaper clipping to (laughs) a coaching certification that has certified so many incredible coaches. You never know where that next thing, where the inspiration is going to come from. So in your story, you know, when we tell the stories of things, we're kind of giving the notes, the bullet points, I would love to hear about some of the messiness if that's okay. And I wonder, especially with going from social work and then going to coaching, right? At some point you had to make that decision. What was that transition like for you? Was there any resistance or doubt or worry? It seems like a lot of it was just naturally unfolding and you kind of had to make that decision. What was that like kind of moving from something that you had gotten a degree in, had to put in a lot of hours and work um, to something where, you know, with coaching, you just get certified. And it, you know, sometimes it just doesn't sound like it has the same gravitas. But in all of that, what was some of that messiness there for you? If there was any? Oh, of course.
1: There was absolutely <laughs> messiness. And there was doubt and there was fear, and there was a whole range of other things besides. But the most significant thing that I want to share with everyone, because in many ways, and I I just Always take the opportunity to share this publicly as much as I possibly can because it feels like the antithesis in many ways of a lot of the marketing and the messaging that is being directed to coaches and emerging coaches right now. And that is that the transition for me into a full time business was slow, Mm. it took years years of working side by side with a salaried, secure job before I went full-time. And it was done, Shirin, very incrementally, which now when I look back, I can see supported my nervous system to help me feel grounded in every step I made. So initially, when I first started seeing clients, and I'm not going to lie, it was too much work. It was overwhelming at times, but I could also see that I was moving in a particular direction. So I was working full-time, and then two nights a week, I would come home and see clients after hours, and I also saw clients on a Saturday morning. And I did that for about six months. Until I thought, okay, you have to be brave and have a conversation with your manager about letting go of some work. And I was very, very fortunate that that conversation was something that was helpful to them as well. I said, I'd love to be able to only work four days a week. Is that possible? And it was an instant yes from them because they said, actually, this helps us budget wise. And so we are. Okay, for you to do this. And I sat at that for a year and it was so wonderful to retain that day and see clients. And then I asked for another day as things were going to, I said, could I get, and they said, yes, you can. And then I sat there for a while and it kept building. And then I asked to be pure part time, two and a half days a week. And they said, yes. But they said, this is it. We can't reduce it any further. So I sat there for a while, like over again, over a year, part-time in this and part-time in my coaching business. Eventually what happened is that as more inquiries came through and things started to get longer, I thought, okay, I need to move on to another role. But I knew at that time I was a single woman. I was completely financially responsible for myself. I couldn't rely on anybody else for my income, so I knew that it was too early to just be living on a, on an uncertain salary from my coaching. So I eventually found another role just for a day and a half a week in another service, an eating disorder service where I was doing therapeutic work. And I absolutely loved that. And I did that and another little role after then. Eventually, And this, I was very blessed, and I think that this is a privilege to be able to say this apart from many other privileges that I carry. By that time, I had met my now husband. We were living together. We were sharing expenses. I had a a supportive partner in life. Our finances were blended, and I had a conversation with him, and I said, I feel like it's time. I can see a pipeline Of wonderful clients and income that can come in. I was putting money aside and saving to make sure that I had a buffer when I did that. And so we decided for me to leap full time. And one of the things which I think was very helpful in doing that, that I absolutely recommend to anybody that might be in this transition, is that together we decided that we had to give it with me at full time in my business. 12 months 12 full months before freaking out or getting worried or going this is not working we have to look elsewhere and i'm here to tell you Shireen, that it was not until the 10 and a half month mark with about 6 weeks to go where things went from okay where week to week where month to month oh it's building Okay, we can see the, the fight are beginning to build. It was not until about then and just putting everything aside it's like, okay, not as much this month. Okay, a little bit more this month. But it was about then that we started to see things flow and really, really improve from there. And I've been full-time in my business ever since. And now my husband works in the business with us as well. But the big thing that I want to get across is slow And along the way, lots of doubts, lots of fears, certainly significant fear before pressing send on the website for the academy. Oh, I was on the bathroom floor crying, going, nobody's going to want to do this. This is ridiculous. You're going to get laughed at, all of those kinds of things. There's been lots of other messiness along the way, but not an even keel up, lots of bumps and very slow and intentional.
0: I love all of those all the parts of your story and the reminders and the lessons in that, I so agree with you that it is important to take these big leaps slowly. And sometimes from the outside looking in, and when we tell our, the story, the biography, it's like, oh, they went from one thing to the next. My journey was very similar, right? It was like, I was very part-time. It was like 30, 70, 50, 50, 60, 40, until I made my full-time leap to coaching. And I do think sometimes nowadays, It's kind of just like a burn it down mentality, which I think sometimes can be useful for some folks, but I also love feeling safe. And so you had built up the sense of safety kind of through your experience and then meeting your partner and it is then you don't have as much pressure on yourself and this dream that you're embarking on. I also want to say that it's wild to me to hear that you felt worried and doubtful launching the Academy because... (laughs) For those who oh, can't yeah. see, Julie just made like a face, like an, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. You know, all the thoughts and fears of who do you think you are? Mm. This is not something that it, that is out there and seen. People are going to think that this is silly, that it's not substantial enough, you know, like all those thoughts and fears, you know, stemming from my own thoughts about myself of somehow or another, which we all do from time to time about varying different parts of our identity, getting hooked into, oh, but you don't have the corporate background, you know, you you haven't got an MBA, all of these sorts of things. And at one point in time, sillily enough, I was genuinely thinking, okay, well, I could get an MBA, Like I could go back and it's just stupid, Julie. I mean, that is just ridiculous. We don't need coaches out there with more MBAs. You know, we need them out there with more life experience and more focus on, you know, building their businesses with lenses of social justice and decolonization and focusing on the heart of people Mm. and, you know, so many other things. But This is where our ego can take us in moments of panic (laughs) and uncertainty. But so often it's through that panic and uncertainty on the other side that we learn things and achieve things that we only ever thought possible for someone else. Mm. And so I'm glad that I was able to
0: move through that. Oh, I love that. And it's so funny. I feel like 70% of my clients come to me and they're like, I think I need to get an MBA. And I'm like, hold on. No." No there's nothing like your ego. It's always going to convince you you need one more degree. And I'm like, wait a second, let's think this through. So Julie, this whole series, the focus is on life transitions and the idea of purpose. Cause I think sometimes we have been taught to think of purpose in a very kind of static way. And so for those of us, which I think is most of us, all of us, if we're really honest with ourselves, you know, we're constantly evolving and you have constantly become and allowed yourself to become that next version of yourself. And so I would love for us to kind of start our discussion around purpose with how you define or see purpose. What does purpose mean to you?
1: You know, I feel like starting out, Shirin, with this wonderful question by saying what it is not to me. Mm -hmm. And what it is not to me is what I do for a living, for my career and business. I find passion there, and I find lots of wonderful things, community, connection, giving, service, all of those kinds of things. But it is not my purpose. It is not the reason or the sole core. If I think about this from a priestess or a sacred leadership perspective, mm. which is something that is very important in my life. And while I know that it sounds in many ways to be very simple, When I really think about it and strip everything back, when I think about purpose, what it means to me is living a life where I get to be in the fullest expression of who it is that I am Hmm. and how it is that I am meant to do that. And yes, in some part, that may come through what it is that I do, but it also comes through so many other things. And again, when it's all stripped back, it's about how is it that I can live my life as the fullest expression of myself, trusting myself, sharing my unique voice, helping and supporting and being in community with others so I can reach the end of my life whenever that may be and truly know in my heart that I've done everything that I possibly can To be the fullest expression of who I am. When I focus on that, that's where I feel purpose leads me. And on any given day, that may look differently in the world. And that's why I think it's so important, at least for me, but I also have known it to be important to others as well, that we don't put all of our purpose eggs in that work basket. It's too capitalistically driven, it's still too hierarchical even in business sometimes, it's still too white, it's still too patriarchal, things with money, all of those kinds of things, we're so much more than that. And that's really what I think about when I think about purpose is how can I be the fullest expression of me? And then from a service perspective, support and help others to be that as well because you know, Shirin, just as well as I do, that when people are in their fullest expression that's when they get to bring their greatest gifts into the world and make the biggest impact.
0: Wow, I wish I could stop the podcast because I wanna take a moment to fully just hold that to my heart because that was such a beautiful, beautiful definition. And Julie, as you said, being this fullest expression and being of service for others to do that, I also think the way in which you live your life, Julie, is such an inspiration that I think you not even knowing it you make others want to live their fullest expression with you just being you. I can honestly say that for myself. I have been so inspired by you, not just in the work you do, but just when you share your roses or when you go on your (laughs) walks. And so I just had to take that moment to really say that because I really do think if that is your definition of purpose, then you are doing a bang on job of it. You're doing a very great job of it. Thank you. I love this definition because I think it is so flexible and in the flow and it's constantly evolving. And so did you always have this really beautiful, flowy definition of purpose or was there any points where it kind of felt a little bit like, well, what am I doing? I'm going from this thing to the next, or was this always at the center? Oh gosh, no. (laughs) I remember
1: Heavens no. You know, you're talking to, you know, a 51-year-old midlife woman in her prime at this point in time, I I guess, of life. And so that's to come for you and anybody who's younger and and listening to the podcast right now. This is a really just an incredibly powerful stage of life, which is fantastic. It's certainly not maybe what the patriarchal media might (laughs) say that it is but it hasn't always been this way. I'm most definitely a recovering people pleaser Mm. and that was something in my 20s and really well and truly into my 30s as well. I was often twisting myself into other versions of me, either quietening myself down or just morphing into other versions of myself that weren't fully authentic in an attempt to get folks to, to like me or for me to feel better around them in varying different ways until I really, really, I had to work on myself significantly around that, both through therapy, coaching, committing to working on that. When I really, really came to understand that you can just be the nicest, loveliest, most wonderful person in the whole world. And there will still be people who do not like you, understand you, get you, all of those things. And there's nothing that you can do about that to change somebody else's mind. Therefore, the person that you have to focus on pleasing is yourself. And from there, you will then begin to so much better and more organically attract the right people towards you. And that was really a shifting and changing point in my life. And so this concept of being my fullest self, no, it, it, has, it has not been something that I can say I've known since I was 14. I was in the opposite mode for quite some time. And really that work has been life-changing for me and has helped me in so many areas and ways in my life, boundaries, communication, communication relationships, standards and expectations that I have, how I relationally commune with others, because that's a very important part of this. And I know a very important part of your life as well is that all of this so-called individual work is not just for me as an individual. It is also about how I can be a better partner, a better daughter, a better friend, a better coach, better in community better able to manage myself as a global citizen with mm. issues and things that are important to me and being in community as well. This initial seed work on me is not just for me. It's also about how I contribute
0: and relate to others as well. I love that. I love that you add that in there. So this being your fullest self, where right now do you feel your fullest, fullest self? It is when I'm
1: in my garden Hmm. and I am connected to the great mother, the life force of nature inside of me and that comes from her as provider, protector. It really is there. And that is such a spiritual experience for me of feeding, nurturing, tending to something that then gives me so much beauty and joy. It's a reciprocal relationship. And then when I think, and I know that my darling husband would completely laugh and understand when I say this, it's actually when I'm with my best girlfriends. (laughs) When it comes to like my fullest self of being in person, it's when we are laughing and being silly and crying together and talking about everything from children to money, woes, to the state of the world, to are we doing enough? Are you okay? But like, are you really okay? Like what's happening with your mom? You know, we're getting older now talking about caring for our parents. Some of us, we, we rage in age and some of us have babies still on boob right up to adult age children. And so we talk about parenting and all of those kinds of things and sometimes it's saddening maddening uh, sometimes we're bad sometimes we're naughty sometimes we're good <laughs> sometimes we're great and it's fabulous they bring so much to my life i hope i bring so much to them but when i'm with them the the joy that i feel and of being myself and being in my fullest expression just feels so
0: potent oh those are such beautiful beautiful answers and I was smiling the entire time you were sharing. And I have a feeling (laughs) everyone at home listening is also smiling because it's so palpable. And you are the final interview in this series, Julie. And I think kind of a, a thread throughout each one is how much smaller but more significant purpose is in our lives, that it can be found communing with nature, communing with our friends. And I think sometimes... We think it's supposed to be big and grand and bold and it is, but it's also quite subtle and it's quite intentional. And so thank you for sharing those beautiful answers with us. So finally, Julie, I have one last question. What advice or what would you say to someone who is thinking of making a big life change, whether that is a career change, a relationship change, a location change, whatever that may be, what would you say to them?
1: Oh my goodness, go slow. Take small, meaningful steps and know that every step you take, while it might feel like you're moving through mud, and then other times it might feel like you're really skipping along, every movement that you make, every action you take will have purpose and lesson for you in some way, even if it turns out that it was the wrong move so to speak and that you do something along the way that doesn't turn out that requires you to pivot in another direction that doesn't work in the way that you hoped that it would and if you remain open and you take things slowly you're able to be more self-aware and compassionate with yourself as that transition and change is happening and you will instead of seeing those things because they will happen They happen to all of us. There's no such thing as a direct trajectory when it comes to big life changes. When you do take things slowly, gently, and compassionately, you'll be able to see those lessons for what they truly are instead of mistakes, failings, signs that you're not meant to do this, signs that you're on the right track. You'll be able to see them for the lessons and the learnings that truly, truly are there. In those moments. And that's when you'll grow in confidence. You'll increase your courage markers gently as you move forward. And then before you know it, the transition will be happening. And even there in ways that you never even thought possible beforehand.
0: Oh, such fantastic advice. I hope we all take it to heart. <laughs> Thank you so much, Julie, for being so generous with your wisdom and experience. I have just learned so much from this conversation. I'm going to be taking some notes after this interview. And I know many of the folks at home listening are as well. Thank you again, Julie. Such a pleasure, Shireen. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for joining me this week. If you liked this episode, please share it with a friend, subscribe or follow where you love listening most. And if you haven't yet, leave a review. You can do this on Apple Podcasts, CastBox, pod chaser or podcast addict until next week, love.